0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 153 of the Youth Ministry Booster podcast, the podcast from the people that want to get you put into a network of caring and coaching youth ministers. Listen, here's the deal. Youth ministry is hard. Youth ministry can be discouraging and nobody understands other youth ministers like Other youth ministers And so if you do not have An intentional community That you meet with A community that speaks With power But not authority Then you have got to Come by And give us a month try For a mastermind group At Youth Ministry Booster We believe It is the game changer For so many youth ministers We have friends in ministry We need the peer network To push us To challenge us And to pray for us And we hope to be that Uh, There's a lot of great things Going on this month For women in youth ministry This is our seventh installment With Irene Cho she is a Force and an encouragement that You are going to love so buckle up Today it is good stuff You're gonna love this interview with Irene and Chad Make sure to check the links below. We've got a giveaway going on at youthministrybooster.com slash giveaway. We also have a big announcement next week that you will not want to miss related to our month emphasis of women in youth ministry. It has been a lot of fun the last week and a half. We look forward to what's coming next. Make sure that you stick with us for this month long journey as we celebrate and encourage women in youth ministry. So hang tight, buckle in. This is our interview with Irene Cho. I'll see you at the end.
1: Hello and welcome to Youth Ministry Booster. My name is Chad Higgins and I am thankful that you're joining us today as we get to hear from Irene show. Irene, how are you? I'm very, very well.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
1: All right. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Where do you live? What do you do? All those like fun questions.
2: Yeah. Um, I work at the Fuller Youth Institute, which is um, a practical resource center from Fuller Theological Seminary. I've been here for 10 years. I'm the program manager for urban youth ministry resources, and we provide training, articles, various different types of resources for urban youth leaders, those who are in the trenches with high-risk young, um, young people and doing the ministry on the ground. i um, been here for 10 years. Years. Previous to that, I've been doing um, youth ministry for 20-some years, cough, cough. I'm um, letting myself, aging myself there. Um, currently, I am in Los Angeles. I just moved to the west side. For those of you who don't know California, um, that means I live near the beach, which has not sucked at all. Um, no. You know, not at all. <laughs> Um, the traffic to Pasadena has been pretty, you know, grueling, but I get to go home to the beach, so I'm not complaining that the Lord has provided this opportunity to be near the ocean breeze, <laughs> so it's been great.
1: Well, I'm living in Oklahoma, so I'm not jealous at all. I, mean. uh, I love it. <laughs> so tell, tell me, I mean, you've been doing student ministry for a while. How did that all start for you? Like... Where's the Genesis story there?
2: Yeah, um, it started my senior year of high school. Um, I was determined, again, I'm going to age myself a lot, but I was determined to be the next Connie Chung. I wanted to be in journalism. I wanted to be an anchor on TV with my New York penthouse apartment. Um, I wanted to do it all. And God was like, hey, I got a different plan for you. Um, So. He called me directly, you know, I grew up Pentecostal. Um, so whatever we want to chalk it up to delusion, illusion, voices, you know, Holy Spirit. Um, I definitely heard from the Lord that he wanted me to go into ministry, um, I had a conversation with my mom. I mean, I already had my applications all set for universities with, you know, strong uh, journalism schools. And I said to my mom at the dining table one day, I said, mom, what do you think about me going into ministry? Uh, She was not having it. She's like, she said later, she prayed to God. I asked you to make her a good, strong Christian and marry a good, strong elder in the faith. Like, I don't want her to struggle and be a pastor. No, no. Like she was, she was not having it. Um, And I, I was not a a rebellious kid. And so I think she was pretty shocked that, you know, a few months later, I, on my own, called universities and said, I'm doing this. And nothing could detour me. Um, I ended up... Dumbling into youth ministry. Actually, I got to my university, and my advisor had already chosen my major for me. Nice. He put me in Christian Ed. Um, still an advi- He's still actually at my university. He's all the way up in the VP position. He's just done great. I love meeting up with him. And he put me in Christian Ed. And um, so we had three majors at my university. Um, shout out to Viola. It was um, Christian Ed, Bible, and then Intercultural Studies. And I. Realized as I went in that I had a heart for youth kids. My parents got divorced when I was in, you know, upper uh, upper elementary. Junior high was a hot mess for me. All mm. oh, so many struggles there. Um, and I, I just really related to young people, like youth kids in particular. Um, and the more, you know, you take various classes, I was like, elementary is not for me. I am like dictator, strict, you know very like not compassionate with young, with elementary kids. Um, but like send me a middle schooler and I will sit with them for hours and hours. Um, just, you know, Oprah Winfrey their whole life. And it was just something that I knew I was made for, um, and connected with. And so as I stumbled into youth ministry, the more I was with youth kids, the more confirmation I had that this is where I was supposed to Uh be. And so, you know, probably a year or two in, I was like youth ministry lifer. I'm, I'm never moving on from this. This is what I want. I want to see these kids grow and flourish, and you know, just connect with God in ways that that may not that just ways that I couldn't even imagine.
1: How how much you mentioned a little bit about some like tough middle school years. I mean, talk to me a little bit more about what that played in your own like. I mean, journey into student ministry, like what's at play now into what you do and how you think of ministry? Um, Is that true for you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my parents got divorced. We moved from California. I was born in California in fifth grade, in the middle of fifth grade, we moved to New York. Um, I moved to Scarsdale, which at that time was 85% Jewish. I was one in four Asian kids, you know, we had some exchange students that didn't know how to speak any English except to say, run up to you and say F U, F U. you, F you. And, you know, I was scrawny and skinny and buck toothed and you know we I was surrounded by girls who were developing my school was junior high and high school, so eighth graders were going to senior parties It, it was just very fast growing very fast paced um, very wealthy and I was not wealthy. you know we lived in an apartment and, and um, everyone else were in these very very large homes um, you know, I had a, I had classmates that were like, Oh, I can't wait to turn 16 when I can get my baby Ben's as my car. And I was going to so many bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs where they're getting gifts from families that are like over 10,000, $15,000 in trust funds. Um, and it was, it was miserable. Um, yeah. and so I think too at that time of this crucial time period of identity formation, um, I was having problems with my mom who now that I look back as a 40 some year old woman, you know, divorce was such a shameful thing at that time, Mm -hmm. the failure of her marriage in a Korean culture, you know, all these things that I can relate to her as an adult now. Yeah. I didn't understand that as a nine year old, a 10 year old, I just knew mom was stressing out on me and it was unjustified and it was unfair. And here I am going through my own issues. And why did we have to move here? And, and all these things, um, moving down to Philadelphia, it got a lot better. I, I got a good, um, I had a lot of Chinese friends, a stronger Asian community. I ended up, my mom went back to church. And so we went back to, I went back to church with her and reconnected with God. Um, Cause all throughout junior high period, I prayed a lot and fought a lot with God, but we didn't go to church. Um, and so there was a lot of angry dialogue happening on my end with God of why, where are you? Why are you doing this? You know? So I think a lot of the, that angst, um, I have compassion for Mm -hmm. that in this important time stage in their life, um, I, I, i I love being a message of empathy to sit with them in that pain, but also to say as a, you know, in a camaraderie way, we can get through this, mm-hmm. you know, let me be a beacon of light and hope yeah. that, that it can all flesh out and like, you know, it, it's not the end. There's mm-hmm. there's like a long-term journey. Um, I encourage them in a laughing way that, it's going to get harder. <laughs> so let me give you some hope and try to figure out how to maneuver through it. Um, and here's some benefits that happens when you become an adult. Here's some horrible things that happen as an adult. I share with young people all the time, you know, because I love playing this game. I, obviously, I'm Asian. Hashtag Asian don't raisin. Right? Um, I'm 44. I, I love and I tell young people when I like, they get shocked because they're like, you don't look over 27. And I'm like, this is a sign that I'm old because I want you to tell me that. Like, yeah, you don't yeah. need to hear that. But I love telling them that, you know, when I was 16, I looked like I was 10. I was yeah. still getting children's passes, like going into places. And that is not fun as a 16 year old. You want to fill out You're and right. you want to look older. You want boys to like you. And here I am, you know, wearing a training bra and not, not having it. Like, it's just wasn't fun.
3: Yeah.
2: And so, you know, and young girls, they look at me and they're like, oh, you know, Irene, you're so pretty. I'm like, you know, girl, I, I feel you because I was with you in that. Like, so, so, you know, it, it's, it's hard and, and adulthood comes and, and it'll, it'll flesh itself out. It'll okay. you'll get through it. So.
1: So tell me over your years of student ministry, what has been one of your like favorite moments?
2: Yeah, it was a great question that I I love. I was thinking about it. I mean, there's so many stories, but I think it's kind of tied to the, you know, some other stuff I was just thinking about. In particular, there was this one camp that I had, I was the speaker for, um, in the last 10, 15 years, I've shifted so much in the way that I do ministry because of my own journey with God. Um. You know, I'm very, I'm a nine on the Enneagram with a strong eight okay. wing. So, um, which doesn't shock anybody who knows me on my social media presence. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I was very, i everyone knew me as oh, Irene. She's so great and understanding, but don't mess with Irene. She's scary. Right. Um, and I went through this really transformational Damascus journey with God on what it meant to really live out the gospel in my ministry Um, and and to, you know, live life and do ministry as Jesus did. Mm. And so a lot of it, you know, really stressing to young people what it means that God, that Jesus died and rose again for you, that you have freedom. What does freedom mean in your faith? That we don't live out our life in, in the way of replicating scripture because we have to, Mm.
3: Um,
2: you know, this letter of the law, but because we desire to. Right. And the action looks the same on the outside, but the internal processing. And I, it was this moment, it it was two, three stages in my life that the Holy spirit really moved in me um, to have this light bulb realization. And as I, I used to think the epistles, the letters were uh, just a to-do list that it was like, do this, don't mm-hmm. do that. And I, I hated reading it because it was so burdensome. Mm-hmm. But when you look back with with the lenses of freedom that, you know, we do this, not because we have to, because we're afraid of things, but because we live in this thriving, abundant, merciful, graceful, loving space because god has provided that for us i you look back on the epistles and paul will not shut up about freedom Mm. you know the whole we we have these imperatives but it is founded in this indicative christ died for you you are free therefore why would you want to do anything else right because this is the most life-fulfilling thing that you could do um and so and he he just over and over again repeated that. And I came to this realization, it is so human nature for us to want to legalize everything. Even in, even in a freedom after a little while, we're like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That freedom is nice, but now you got to get circumcised, right? Chap Clark talks about it all the time. Replace circumcision with Bible study, setting up chairs, folding programs, serving on missions, coming to church every week. Like, I mean, replace it all because we want to legalize and systematize everything. It's our human nature. And so how do we help young people get pruny in that freedom? Like just sitting in it till they're mm-hmm. so marinated in it. Everything then from that point forward is the fruit of the spirit that comes forth mm-hmm. from that freedom. And so I have this thing where I, when I go speak, I'm like, this is what I, I will speak on for young people. And there was, it's in particular for Asian Asian young people who are so immersed in their um, Christian faith combined with this Confucian, very, very strict, very, very shame-based, very obligatory type of faith. It's, it's meshed together. And so I have this mode where I want to just free them from that. And there was this Chinese camp where, you know, just pounding that through. And at the end of it, you know, they had the testimony time, the sharing time. And this senior kid went up to the mic and he said, this was the first time I cried tears of joy and Mm. not tears of guilt and shame. Wow. And he said, I'm going to be able to go to college knowing the fullness of Jesus's love for me and not move forward in my faith because Mm. I'm afraid of God. And I was like that right there. Mm. I mean, it it was just so fulfilling. Like, Mm. you know, that's why we do this. This is the gospel message that yeah. we, we send forth kids with. We don't want to send them forth with, "Oh, make sure you do this because God might punish you." Right. you know god's God's making these bad things happen because you're not doing what's right, and I'm not saying God doesn't utilize our life experiences or the bad choices that we make or all these things for growth and transformation. He absolutely uses pain and struggles and suffering. I mean, I tell young people, the only thing the Bible promises is that life is going to be hard. Yeah. But redemption in that comes because Jesus is saying there's a better way. Mm -hmm. There's an amazing way. And in this pain, I'm going to bring beauty in this. Right. in these ashes and that comes from freedom, not from guilt and shame. yeah And so how do we let how do we help young people embrace the difficult journey that life is going to present and bring in a way that is full of abundant and joy, peace, you know mercy, grace, love, and empathy in all of that because that's what jesus gives
1: us so good so good it reminds me of this tweet i read earlier this week and um it said something to the extent of the essence of the christian message is to behold not necessarily to obey or to behave right this the differences you know what i mean like yeah we're called to something different i love how you said of you know like there's the, there's the freedom to experience like yeah. what obedience in the Lord looks like, right? Because yeah. we have ultimate freedom in that. It's not something that's like we're no longer bound to it, but we get to experience it and walk in it and um, see that God is good through it, right? Yes. Um, so, all right. So, before we both preach our own message… And- <laughs> Just do like, because I'm listening to you and I'm like, come on now, like, start the music. Let's, we'll do a response time. The buses can wait. Um, tell me uh, if you could rewind to like the very beginning for you. Like, you get to sit down with, and if you're nine, bend eight, right? Like, you're ready to go get them a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, if you could sit down and give your own self some encouragement or some wisdom, what would you say to yourself um, in that moment?
2: Such a good question. Um, two things. I'm going to have to do a two-parter. The first is, and, and my mentors had shared this with me as I entered into youth ministry, youth ministry isn't just about youth kids, It is so much about the parents. It is so much about the leaders leading up well, the senior leadership that you work with, the elders that you work with. It is about your volunteers that you work with. And when I was first told this as an 18-year-old, I was like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm going into youth ministry because I want to be with the kids. Right. I I want to work with them. I want to counsel them. I want to see their life transform. Adults- you should have your ish together. Like <laughs> right, right. I'm not someone who I'm called for, right? But I I have come to realize a the hubris of the young. Like how arrogant of me to yeah. brush that off and think that hey, i I'm the savior. I'm I'm the bomb. I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna bring it and God's gonna use me in such amazing ways. And not be obedient in in and humble in the way that God Desires that I work and I serve the community. Mm-hmm. And the parents are the community. And I am with my young people for a sliver of a moment in their week. And it's their parents that are going to go and be with them every day. It's their teachers that are with them every day. It's these other adults in their life that are influencing them every day. Yeah. And parents, they need support. They need, they need, they need cheerleading. They need guidance. They need somebody to listen to their questions and help them through all of this. Um, So I would tell myself in the same way my mentors told me, youth ministry, don't delude yourself into thinking that you're going in just to be with young people. Mm. It is a communal effort. um, And you are entering into a part of the community,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and you're not there to babysit, you're not there to be just a coach, you're not there just to be the youth pastor, that you are part of of serving this entire community, this entire village it takes to raise these young people. So number one, I would say that. Um, and the second part of that is in my hubris of my young youth, I would tell myself, stop thinking it's about you haven't all the right answers because mm. it is not. I found that the last decade of my of serving young people, it, I, I was so much more effective in creating transformation and making an impact on young people and adults when I asked better questions, when I actually modeled Jesus, right. who never answered a closed-ended question with a close ended answer. He wasn't there to provide answers. He was there to elevate the conversation and to challenge folks to think further than what their trapping question was. And so, and it, it's hard. Young people don't want it. They want the easy, quick answer. Oh, Pastor Irene told me I can't do this. I should do this. And I'm not I'm like, no, I'm not here for that. I'm here to journey with you mm-hmm. because... You have them at the most for three to six years, depending on do you have them from middle school all the way to high school, right? Like how many years do you get to actually be with them? And and my job as a youth leader is to help these young people have a better skill set to be more introspective, more self aware, ask, learn how to ask better questions of themselves, mm-hmm. of their community, of their society, of the world. Um, and so it's it might be it's more, it's more work. It takes longer. Um, The end result is unknown, right? Like, I mean, if we're asking a yes or no question, the chances are 50-50 what we think the kid is going to respond to us with. When you ask open-ended questions, when you elevate and ask introspective questions, there's no guarantee of the journey. And that's hard for a lot of youth leaders. It was hard for me. Like, I want to know and feel good about myself that my young person's regurgitating the right answer right. to me. And I'm like, yeah, now I'm going to send them off to college and it's going right. to be awesome because they know the answer. But that's not how life works. Right. Um, it's a journey. And, and I'm like, just because at this 17-year-old stage, they made the right decision to take a stand in their school doesn't mean when they're 25. They're going to make the right decision.
1: Right.
2: Um, and we need to know that our position here is to be a constant person where they can come to that, come to us and have a safe space to say, I have this question and for me to flip it back to them and say, that's a great question. Now I have this deeper question. Yeah. And then have them go back and sit with that deeper question and then come back and say, okay, I thought about that deeper question. Here's my follow-up questions. So those are great follow-up questions. I'm going to ask you these deeper questions now to those follow-up questions. And I had kids that were like, Pastor Reed, just tell me the answer. What am I supposed to do? I'm like, sorry, kiddos. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to walk with you. I'm here to hear what you think. I'm here to say, let's dive into scripture and see... What do you think God's telling you to do? And I can give you advice and I can give you some interjection. But at the end of the day, as I walk with you, I'm here to let you have a space to be introspective, to walk with God, to hear from the Holy Spirit um, and to hear from other people of your community. Like we're doing this all together. And I know you want your textbook, SAT, memorization answer. But that's not going to cut it when you go through even more gray areas, when you approach and encounter more gray areas. And I love the Alchemist book um, because when I first read it, and I think I was 20 when I first read it, I hated it because I I wanted it to end with a bow tie and have a Mm -hmm. Disney ending and be all, yay. (laughs) But the ending is open-ended. And I was like, what is that? That's so frustrating. Because the point of the book is that life is about a journey and it's long and it's arduous and painful and joyful. It's all the things. And God's not about a checkbook mark, right answer. God's very, very ambiguous and very gray. And the only thing he's about is us becoming more Christ-like to follow Jesus, to grow in our faith, to grow in our compassion and love for one another. And that takes a lot of gray areas. Mm. And so I would tell my 18 year old self, learn how to ask better questions. Don't learn how to provide better answers.
1: One of the, one of the things you talked about earlier was, I mean, just, you know, uh, your personality wanting, you know, when you're in middle school, high school, wanting to feel like you're older. Right. And I, I think from hearing you and, thinking back of my own self my first year cuz i think what you gave would have been like phenomenal advice for me um i wonder how much of it for us is that same kind of feeling when we first start out of like we want to be older right like we want to be uh more respected you know what i mean and seen as the professional maybe cuz we feel some of our own insecurities, right? In that. Um, Do you feel like that's true or is that just me speaking for myself of who I was when, when I was 20 years old? And uh, so what are, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I, I absolutely agree. I, I had a faith crisis um, around 30 to 35. I almost left the faith. Mm. It was too difficult. My life, my personal life, my family life, being in a ministry as a woman in a predominantly patriarchal, very misogynistic, complementarian, questioning my validity and worth, should I be there, situation. There was a lot of things that were compounding. And I broke. Mm. Um, And by the grace of God, I didn't jump off the ledge and I slowly walked back and I, I confirmed with the Lord, okay, God, I'm going to do this. I am going to stick this through and re-enter into engaging in the, in the ministry, engaging in, you know, in that way with folks. But I, it was such a different feeling of entering into the battle zone than my 18 year old self. Yeah. I've told people this so much. My 18 year old self is like, bill paxton character in aliens where you're just like yeah you're running into the field you're like we're gonna conquer you know <laughs> you're just being screaming on just the zealousness and the passion and the energy all the beautiful things that come with being young the hopefulness the ideological faith that great things are gonna happen and i never want to damper that mm-hmm. um What I want to do now as a a 44-year-old person who's done this for 25 years, when I re-entered at 35 back into deciding to, I'm going to go into ministry, it was like the bruised general who sighs and knows what they're getting into now. Mm -hmm. They know they're going into war and people are going to die Mm -hmm. and it's going to be painful. But this is what... We've got to do, um, and there's just a heaviness involved in it. That's I think different than when you're young. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I, I with young folks now who are entering into ministry. I think there's this mode where I affirm that excitement, and I say to them, "That's so great. You hold on to that energy as long as possible." because it will wane and people will wear you down because the humans right mm-hmm. i always say that the humans <laughs> um so you hold on to that and you remember that and i encourage always young people who are entering in you hold on to that that stronghold feeling that god gave you that passion and that mm-hmm. hopefulness don't ever lose that even as wisdom comes and you realize mm-hmm. the older you get the more you don't know yeah. <laughs> the older you get, the more you you just sigh. And you're like, we're going to do this. You got to hold on to that. Mm. And I want to be the older person who can say, I don't want to diminish that or scoff at it or say that's that's silly because it's beautiful. Mm. The the hubris of the young, the passion of the young, the yeah. zealousness and the hopefulness. And I, what I want to do is say, put that in your memory box, you mm-hmm. hold on to that mm-hmm. because all of this other stuff is going to bog you down. And so how do we intersect that and hold yeah. that together um, and not eliminate one to embrace the other, Yeah. but to combine that and become holistic in the wisdom and the passion yeah. together?
1: It's, it's almost like there's great wisdom in the body of Christ, right? Yeah. And it's not doing it alone, and being isolated either with our hubris or um, our cynicism. (laughs) Cynicism, yeah, it's a great word, right? Um, That's a perfect word for that. Um, Well, Irene, now that I'm convinced that I need to call you every day (laughs) and get this like, like pump up for my like spirit and just talk to you ministry, um, I want to say thank you so much for being. Uh, on this episode and uh, thank you for not giving up.
2: Thank you. Uh, Such an honor to be here. Everyone stick to it.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. All right, there you go. That's our interview with Irene Cho. Thank you, Irene, for your honesty, your insight, your wisdom, uh, and your encouragement today. If you are a youth minister and you are feeling it, take heart and be encouraged what you heard from Irene today about the freedom about the grace and the truth of what it means to be faithful. The outward actions may not change for you, but sometimes that change in internal processing, intention and direction, vision is everything. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Women in Youth Ministry. Make sure to check the links for more info about all of that below. Thanks for listening.